It's like this little dirty little bass line. I don't fucking care. Can we move on to a new segment, please? Welcome to Just Two Fans, a sports show about sports. Obviously. About life. Because sports are life. And about just whatever the hell we feel like talking about. So, uh, let's go. What is up, everybody? Yo. I'm Jamie Friedlander. That is Eli Johnson and Chris Burkhart. Still here, hanging out. We made it. Ready to go. Dude, um, I did something I haven't done since I was like 20. Oh, that's not yeah. true. It's been later than that, like 25, 26. I, and this wasn't on purpose. I pulled an all nighter this weekend. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> it was, like, so here's the thing it wasn't, it wasn't on purpose. I went to, there's, um, outside of Portland, there's an Oktoberfest. Um, in this little town called Mount Angel. Um, and we went there and like my friends were there and they're like, we're camping. You should come camp with us. I was like, cool. I got my little pup tent. I got my air mattress. I got my sleeping stuff. You know, I was like, let's do this. Um, turns out, um, I don't really do all that well, just sleeping outside, you know? Yeah. I, uh, first I, I mean, you know, it was Oktoberfest, so, I mean, let's be real. I wasn't exactly sober. Um, and then I was like, I got all my shit set up when we got back to camp, right? Lay all my, lay all my stuff down, ready to go to bed, laying there for a second. I'm like, okay, this isn't bad. This isn't like, it's a little, you know, uncomfortable. It's not like my home bed. And then our neighbors show up and they're the loudest fucking people in the goddamn world. It's a bunch of people talking about fucking dirt bikes, not, not fucking dirt bikes. But like, there's like, they, for like 45 minutes. They're like, yeah, I love riding dirt bikes down by the rivers and shit like that. It was <laughs> in crazy. In a van down by the river. In the river. Um, and like eventually one of my friends goes like, hey, can you just wrap it up? But like they kept talking. Like they like kept like I. it sounded. I don't know what it is with tents. But it sound every sound sounds like it is literally right next to your tent. Yep. I don't know what it is. I could hear them whispering to each other about how much of a bitch my friend is. And I was like, these guys are at least 15 feet away from me. It sounds like they are inside my tent. And they kept talking, and I just, like, couldn't fall asleep all night long. So I just laid there, kind of cold. And and then I came home very early the next morning. I got, I got home at, like, 7.30 um, in the morning. And it's, like, an hour and a half away. So I left at, like, at 5. I left very early. Um and I, I went and I slept until one o'clock. So my sleep schedule is fucked right now, boys. I believe that. Pew, pew, pew. It's great. Love it. Love it. How was your guys' Love weekend? That for you. Uh, it was good. Not much to report. Nothing. Fun. Nothing. I just played dad. Soccer dad now. Soccer, Soccer dad, dad now, huh? Soccer dad. Is it as fun as baseball dad? Put me a coach. Every 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 show needs a good rant. Man, my 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 little uh little nephew, sister in law's kid, 
bless his heart, little athletic stud, right? They enrolled him in fall ball. He's seven years old. That's cool, I guess. I mean, to each their own. I told my wife right off the bat, I'm like, oh, hell no. I enrolled my kid in fall ball at seven years old. I know what fall ball is. It's like AAU basketball, pay-to-play nonsense, and people who take it way too seriously. I'm not about that. Anyway, apparently, like, the first day of practice, they're like, okay, who wants to be pitchers? We need to get people need to learn how to pitch. So they're throwing these seven- and eight-year-olds out there on the mound to pitch and then making them throw live BP. And it's like, throw That's live a- BP. These kids can barely play catch. Now, I didn't my even do- get live BP in high no, school. No, listen. Listen, my daughter's my daughter's coach happens to be an assistant on this team. The the coach that coached her during her baseball season this year, and since he's an assistant, like he's not he's there, but he's not as involved as a head coach. And even he was like, "We shouldn't do this. Like we should ease into it." And the other coach was like, "Nope, you don't know what you're talking about. This is what we got to do here." And all this stuff, and like they drive these kids into the ground. Like I said, seven eight year olds throwing live BP and this and that. And I'm like, I'm so just like, it, it gave me the urge, honestly to want to become a coach because if I were coaching, my goal wouldn't be to coach the next Ken Griffey Jr. Or for me to become like the next, you know, Tony LaRusa or whatever. Like, no, like I just want to coach kids to develop a love of the game, love of the game. That's all I want to coach. And it's funny because I reached out to like a, a good friend of mine, former coworker who used to be a college baseball coach even he was like, oh, my gosh. He's like, I never – he's like, I think 12 years old might have been the first time I ever had a kid throw live BP. <laughs> like, tw- like, anyway, <laughs> just crazy to me because all these coaches, they honestly think that – first, all the parents think their kids are going pro. Every coach thinks that coaching these seven-year-olds is, like, going to open their door to a D1 opportunity. Like, I have, I'm pretty sure if I coach these seven-year-olds to a district championship that uh, Texas <laughs> might give me a call to run their program. Like, dude, like, shut the fuck up. Oh, People who like to live vicariously through their children or think that the call is still coming, man. And it's like, it's wild. And it's so funny because like the coaches that do it for the clout are never as good as the coaches who are just there because they love the freaking game never. that they're, they're coaching. It. It's never just wild even close. So thank you, uh, fall ball kids. You are giving me a desire to want to be a baseball coach. Do it, dude. Brand. Fuck it. You for sure should be a baseball Why not? coach. You should abs- I'll I'll come watch the games, dude. Steal no, every every, steal every <laughs> single every single pitch. I don't care. Just run. Steal. If you get Just thrown run. out, who cares? We get to go home quicker. <laughs> <laughs> get those orange Let's... slices faster. Ooh, orange slices and Capri yeah. See, baseball baseball coach would be the way to go, right? Like, how much blame do you really get at the end of the day? It's not like I could really. I mean. Yes, there's things you can do, but it's like it's not like I'm really calling plays. Oh, like you can't, buddy. Yeah, you go be a baseball coach and let me know how much those parents blame you for not playing their kid where they think they should play. I mean, probably. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Johnny, and I hit dingers. That's what we're here for. <laughs> I, you know, I okay. So this is like totally off that topic. Um, my favorite baseball thing of all time is uh, that LSU pitcher, and I don't know his name. I will never remember his name. Have you seen this? They, they interview him. He, so basically, he hits a walk off home run. Oh yes, right? I have seen this. <laughs> yes, yeah, basically, like in the interview, yep. the coach is like. 
uh, like in the post game interviews, like I just come up, I hit dingers, baby. That's what I do, you know. And like you, like in like a very jokey way. And then the press conference comes with the coach, and the coach is like, "Yeah, he told me he hit in high school, and like he, and he's like he hit bombs in high school and all this stuff." And the guy goes, "Coach, I have to tell you something. I didn't hit once in high school." <laughs> <laughs> So he just lied to his coach and he won a game <laughs> for it. Uh, anyways, so if you haven't good. seen it, look it up. Just LSU pitcher it's hit so bombs good. or something like that. It's fantastic. So, oh, good. Um, so good. So I like. I was thinking about doing a little coaching as well because I want to get to the D1 level of coaching for college football. <laughs> oh, my God. We're talking about college football. What? Weird. How does that? Oh, now we can. Jesus, now, you are a we genius. Have, <laughs> since we have talked about college football, it is time for Beer of the Week. Yeah. Sweet. Sweet. Okay, I'm going to go first. <laughs> from, uh, that was something from, else. Like, I was thank saying. you. Yeah, um, this is from a brewery that's like literally two blocks from my house, which is really cool. Uh, and I'd never been there before. I just, I just like totally forgot it was there. From Lewitt Brewing Company, L-O-O-W-I-T Brewing Company, I have Lando Hopperissian, a is, fresh hop IPA. That is The can phenomenal. is, it's not Bespin. But it's definitely like they're trying to do Bespin, right? It's like uh, clouds and sunsets. They're trying to do Cloud City. But here we go. A little ASMR. Solid ASMR. Good so far. That is really good. (laughs) Fresh Hop IPA. For an IPA... It is so well balanced. There is like that that hit of bitterness, but it's very understated for an IPA. And holy god, fuck, that's good. I don't know about a five star, but it's close. I'm gonna go four point seven five. Nice, very good beer, Lewitt. Well done. Who's next? Chris? I'm ready here. I got the, uh, in in the spirit of the season, the New Belgium Voodoo Ranger Atomic Pumpkin. Oh. The spicy <laughs> special release. I got to say, I had a pumpkin beer the other day, and I didn't get it for the podcast, but it was probably the best uh, pumpkin beer I ever had. Ah, uh, I got it. Now, it's a... Uh, it's good. It's good. It's got the beautiful orange orange hue. Now the flavors there. Good pumpkin off the off the top. Then you get the cinnamon, and it has chilies in it too. So when you swallow, you taste the spice. It's a good mix, though. I given it a three. I I enjoyed. I enjoy it. I'll finish off the six packs. No no problem. Like if there's nothing else to buy, maybe. But I ain't gonna go seek it out. So good beer. Real quick though. I'm going to let, send this this uh, feelers out to our listeners. If anybody can find any of these beers here, because I found a new brewery that I want to try that you two, especially you, Jamie, will will geek over. Have you heard of Broken Bat Brewery? No. Mm. Broken Bat Brewery is a brewery in Wisconsin, I believe it is. Um, anyway, all their beers are baseball themed. So, for instance, they have one here that comes in can only called the can of corn ballpark ale 
If you buy it, it comes with a certificate of authenticity because it was brewed with the actual corn from the Field of Dreams field. Oh, my Lord. That's <laughs> like, what? Yeah. That's pretty dope. Yeah. They have the, the Czech swing, Czech style pi- uh, Pilsner, just a wit outside, Belgian style citrus. Like they got all these, but every single, every single beer, they have the Ricky, the uh, major league crossover beer juiced obviously you know what that is the ofer like everything is a baseball style beer and i really really want to try this place now they have the pablo from backyard baseball hell yes yes, dude (laughs) it's a mexican chocolate stout yeah they have an indoor wiffle ball field yes they do yes the brewery looks awesome the brewery looks awesome and if you go down to the bottom too oh would we go there's a find our Where beer tab. Hold on. You might have some close. There's also a clique down there that has their retired beers that aren't on that list anymore. And they have some other good ones. They had the golden sombrero. Straight ched. Oh, yeah. No results found within 50 miles of me. That is so Yeah, me either. The, uh, they had, they had, they had a, a, cher- a cherry hef called the hairy cherry. Like, oh, <laughs> so yeah. good. Seriously. I hope they live up to the name. Right. Where they did have a, a rum, a rum barrel aged Mexican chocolate stout called Junior. Hail to Ken Griffey Jr. The Beast from uh, Sandlot. That's the name of the beer. The Beast. Okay, guys. Yep. I'm just saying. Hear me out. This brewery is one hour away from Madison, Wisconsin. Heyo. I think it's our calling. <laughs> I mean, we got we got to bring back our our college football stadium tour. No doubt, series. It has been so, on a three year fucking hiatus now. I mean, I'm just saying, we got Milwaukee. We can go to this cool brewery for baseball stuff, and then we can just whoop scooch on over to Wisconsin, watch a game in Camp Randall. I mean, that's a bucket list stadium for me. Me too. So, all Count right, breaking it, boys. It's happening. I don't know when, but it's going to happen. That is going to happen. All right, mine. I have from Left Hand Brewing Company in Longmont, Colorado, the Oktoberfest in the spirit of the season. Here we go. Not bad, not bad. Yeah, it's an Oktoberfest. <laughs> so to bring to bring both of your beers together. Oh wait, no, you gotta get your rating. Mars and Lager actually is what it is, but ah, um, it's a you know all Oktoberfest beers kind of taste the same by design, obviously. So mm-hmm. it's nothing like crazy special, but it's good. Like I would I would buy this again. So, 3.75. Cool. Above cool. average, good. I'd buy it. Nothing crazy. Totally fair. Sweet. So, what, were, week, you, we what were you saying to bring our beers oh, together? Uh, to, bring it, to bring it all together. Um, so, I posted on my Instagram story about Oktoberfest. And I said, it's September, my dudes. So, you know what that means. And then the next slide was Oktoberfest. Because it's ironic. Because Oktoberfest in September. Mm-hmm. Um friend of the show, Bobby, his wife slid into my DMs and was like, I thought you were going to say pumpkin spice lattes. And I said, 
you don't know me very well. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Anybody who listens to shows knows that that is the like I that is what I look forward to the least about fall. I said no, pumpkins should be carved and then left to rot where they belong. <laughs> like God intended. <laughs> uh, I wish I could say that you're just like hamming this up for the show like Chris does with his I'm love really for David not. Shaw, but you're really not. You fucking I genuinely hate, hate the flavor yeah, of pumpkin. I think it's disgusting. You do. I'm, I'm giving you props. And listener, <laughs> trust me when I say Eli despises pumpkin. Anything. I do. So, like, we have like a bowl of candy at work today, and I grab a Kit Kat. Unwrap it, little individual Kit Kat, pop it in my mouth. Fucking pumpkin! I spit it out. Oh <laughs> they brought pu- they bought they bought pumpkin fucking Kit Kats. I love Kit Kats. Kit Kats one of my favorite candies of all time. That was in the trash. It hurt my soul to throw away a Kit Kat, but it's pumpkin flavored. Disgusting. Get it out of here, dude. I don't know. I don't know if that holds a candle to the one my brother brought me because I'm sure you guys are aware. My brother's currently living in Japan. And he came to visit a while tea? back, and he brought a kick. Sorry, huh? did he bring green tea? No, no, no. It was not a green, a green tea Kit Kat. It was a Kit Kat. Wasabi. But the chocolate was wasabi yes. chocolate. Oh, how was it? <laughs> Let me tell you what. Surprisingly, really freaking I good. I think I would enjoy that I, better than yeah, anything. No, I don't. That like, doesn't surprise me at all. The like, I was like, oh, a wasabi Kit Kat. Uh, oh, it. Beats a regular Kit Kat, at least in my taste buds. It was really Hell freaking yeah, good. Hell yeah, dude. I want <laughs> one awesome. now. Have your brother bring back a few. Next time he's in town, I'll come have one. Yeah. I'll fly back again <laughs> for a piece of chocolate. Um, okay. You know what? Worth it, dude. All right. we Eli gave us our college football teaser. We're going to talk about that later in the show, and we will also talk about the NFL and that will dominate most of today because it's football season, and that's what happens. Yes, it is, baby. But we are going to start with baseball because we are getting into the stretch run here, and the playoff picture is starting to take a little bit of shape. I mean, it's pretty clear at this it point. It is pretty at least clear. Who's there? Most of the division winners are pretty much set. Uh, we're down to, what, 15, 14, 15 games left. Somewhere yeah, in that range, like that. the Yankees have a five-and-a-half game lead on the Blue Jays. Um, they're not playing as bad as they were right after the break, but they're also not dominating as they were before the break, so it'll be interesting to see what Yankees decide to show up in the playoffs. Um, definitely something to keep an eye on. The Cleveland Guardians are winning the Central by four games over the White Sox. So like the surprise, I think sliding. that's like the surprising team of the season. The Guardians? Yeah, I, I did sure. not see that coming at all. For sure. I mean, we all picked the White Sox, I think. Let me see. Let me check my handy-dandy notes. AL Central. We all picked the White Sox. Um, there's still four games out. There's a chance, but uh, it's looking like the Guardians as of now. And then the Astros have clinched the West, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, if they haven't clinched, they're a day away from clinching because no, they, they, they have def- a 15 they game, game lead. 100% they clinched. Yep, clinched division. So they they are there. The Mets have clinched a playoff berth, but have not clinched the division because the Braves are only one game behind them. Um, 
So that that race, that division race is going to come down to the wire, and it's been very entertaining. Uh, in the Central, the Cardinals are going to win the Central. The Brewers are now eight and a half games behind them, and the Dodgers have clinched the West by a mile and a half. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I hadn't even looked at that. <laughs> 21 games, 100-win season right there. Boom. It's impressive, man. I mean, we can't say we didn't see it coming, though, right? No, we all, everybody predicted this. Like I, this is what you do when you have when you pay for every great player. I mean, this is what the Yankees in the early two thousands were. Yep, exactly. you know, they just paid for everybody, and that's how they win. And you know, it's part of baseball. So. Exactly. In the wild card race, the Blue Jays, Rays, and Mariners have five games over everybody else in the American League. So that's looking. <laughs> Pretty good for now. Mariners fans still got to be sweating a little bit, right, Eli? I mean, always a little bit of sweat. Always just a little bit. You know, this is, there's a lot riding on this because they should, they should get into these playoffs. Um, and it would end the, what, 19 year drought of being in the playoffs. Yep. Um, but it's been 19 years. And I'm going to say, as much as I can without doing any jinxing, um, they sh- they <laughs> should they should do it. But you know, you always hold your breath a little bit, just like ducks in the fourth, like just like duck fans in the fourth quarter of any football game, just sp- spanning back to like even the Mike Bellotti days, where you're just like, they could come back right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not comfy um, yet. <laughs> I'm not. I don't know why I'm not comfortable, but I'm not comfortable right now. So um, not comfortable, but you know they. They're they're playing good ball right now. So, in the National League, it's a four team race. You got the Braves, Padres, and Phillies currently sitting in the wild card spots, and then the Brewers are two and a half games out. Uh, after that, it's the Giants who are eleven games out. So it's really a four team race in in the NL. It's really a five or six team race in the American League still. So a lot of things to keep an eye on these last couple weeks including the chase for 61 from Aaron Judge, who is sitting at 59 home runs currently. I He gets it. I think for sure he gets it. It would be pretty astonishing I, if he didn't with how he's hitting I, the baseball right as now. As long as people pitch yeah. to him. Which they're not going to not pitch to him. Fucking Barry Bonds still was able to hit 73 home runs. Fair. <laughs> Fair. Um, Mike Trout's been on an absolute tear this last month. You know, he was out with injury for two and a half months, so that hampered him. But there was a streak that he hit like seven games straight. He hit a home run, something like that. Um, again, baseball just does not do a good enough job of marketing this stuff. I don't know how much they can this time of year. Like baseball is running into the problem that, I mean, we know it obviously on this show, football's king. Yeah. And amateur football is also, although it's not really amateur anymore because they get paid, but it's really not amateur anymore. Um, both professional football leagues are king in this country. <laughs> and uh, it's just hard to, I don't know, it's hard to capture those storylines this time of year. Yeah. Like, I think the biggest problem is like, there's not, like, outside of the Aaron Judge thing, there's not a whole lot of competition to get in the playoff right now. Right. Like, the playoff teams are all but set at this point. Yeah, but just realistically here, th- this idea that you can't you can't market it this time of year is, is 
kind of horseshit because the ba- baseball had no problem marketing Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa doing the exact same thing at the exact same time of the of year, approaching that record as the season ended with with football coming in full swing, about to break the all time single season home run record. Like they marketed the shit out of that, and that seems. I mean, come on, the, the, the many people argue that almost single handedly saved baseball at the time. I will not give Major League Baseball a pass for their inability to market their game, market their stars. The thing is, baseball is a weird one. Hello, obviously, Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire broke this record, but there's for some reason, it's not. They didn't break it. The record's still 61. 61 will always mean something. And the fact that it's about to happen by a guy wearing pinstripes, that should be easy, easy uh, contract to print money right there. It's I mean, just what so do you weird. think they so should weird. be We've doing? About this what do you think nauseam. they should be doing that they're not? Because, like, I—I I mean, I watch Sports Center. I don't know how many people even watch Sports Center anymore. Um, to be honest with you, and Chris, I think we actually talked about this when we were in person a little bit, and you weren't with us, and Cameron sat in. Is you know, like back in the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa race days, you got your sports news by either the front page of the newspaper or watching sports center at night and it dominated and every night i see stuff on aaron judge on sports center but i don't know how many people even watch sports center anymore yeah it's numbers have obviously dwindled but you got to find ways to take advantage and use the other things you have use your tiktoks use your twitters use your instagrams your different social media platforms get your get the eyeballs get get it in front of the kids the best you can Put it on TV. If it costs an arm and a leg to get it in as many households as possible, it doesn't matter. Do it. I mean, come on. You remember, you could turn on a TV and you were watching Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire at that point. They were putting it on everywhere. Well, especially... Like last night, the prime game on ESPN was was Giants-Dodgers with no implications towards anything. Well, and the problem is those were all set preseason. Like they just... I don't know if they hamstring themselves with inability to like flex in games. It it just seems it's fairly inept. Yeah. It, yes, flex games. Well, and Put the it fact on that, everywhere. Like, I mean, it, I have my TikTok for you page is like ninety five percent sports. Yeah, mine too. And and I haven't seen one thing from the MLB. But like that's so, like that's like one of those things where you're like, I know this algorithm's not that fucked up, but like I should no, be getting MLB crazy good MLB videos right now, and I you get nothing like because they could absolutely be using TikTok right now. I, I mean, mean, it's free. Well, they they do, and I see MLB stuff, but I'm I'm scrolling through it right now. There are more videos about the Savannah Bananas, which are not an MLB team, than there are about Aaron right. Judge. Right. It's it's just ridiculous. Oh my god, it's just ridiculous. Where even? There's one, and it's it's listen to these Spanish calls of his home run. <laughs> that is just terrible marketing. I guess to answer my own question, they should do anything. Anything. Like, do something. Like the old meme, like the, the stick figure poking. Like, come on, do something. Like, they're not even trying. That's really annoying. Um, I'm going to be paying attention to it because I know it's happening. Um, and I think it's awesome, but yeah, it does suck that the rest of the sports world seems to either not care or not know about it because I feel it, like it's, I feel like it's more the latter. 
you know, that like people just don't really know about it. Cause like, I know, I know baseball fans out here that just like, they're just like, yeah, it's a good, you know, like you just don't hear much about it. It's crazy. Crazy, crazy. All right. We're going to move on to football. We're going to start in the National Football League because we know what happens when we start talking about college football. <laughs> um, week two is now officially in the books because I believe the yes, Eagles-Vikings game just ended. Um, there were some crazy fucking games this week. It, it was like it just like it's it, 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 this season feels a lot like college football season. Mm-hmm. Just wild shit is happening. Like, um, like, uh, like I was just I was talking pre-show. We we're we we're sitting there. Jamie's fiddling with his sound stuff, and I'm sitting there going, "The Vikings absolutely clapped the Packers in Week One. Absolutely clapped them, and they look absolutely inept today against the Eagles. Like they they look like they shouldn't even have been there. It's just wild, man. Like the Bills are just the best team." The Bills are just fucking crazy good. I don't I know we're only two weeks in, but it's hard to see any team even competing with them. Yeah, and it'll happen, right? Like oh, it's, it, and they're gonna lose a game or two or three. Yeah, yeah. They'll 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 come out and lay an lay an egg like every NFL team does. But goddamn when they're firing, whoo buddy. Whoo buddy. I mean they Watch won forty one to seven today. Against a Titans team that a lot of people picked to win their fucking division. Yeah, they they scored thirty four unanswered points. That's like, insanity. They're blowing people out, and they're not blowing out like these like shit teams. It's not like they went to fucking. I, I don't even know. Like I, the weird thing is, I don't even know who's like the shit team. Like maybe <laughs> the Bears. Um, they won week one. They won though. Like who who Panthers. are the bad teams this year? I don't even really fucking know. Maybe Colts. Like, the Colts are bad. Bad, Colts. bad. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk. Okay. It's not like they're beating the Colts. Uh, yeah. Colts are the commanders. commanders. Probably take yeah. the cake. They beat the shit out of the Rams, reigning Super Bowl champions, and then they beat the shit out of the Titans, who were a playoff team last year. They were the number one seed last year. Yeah, and to be fair, we all said they weren't deserving a number one. Yeah. But, uh, like, yeah, facts, I mean, we did say that. Were. They, they're still they still weren't a bad team. They're a playoff no. team, but yeah. like, I mean, man, look like the they shit didn't out of the best teams in the league. Yeah, like, it's crazy, crazy. And the week started with a crazy game in Kansas City, where Jay Herbs played out of his mind, which we talked about on the last episode that I still haven't posted about, because um, <laughs> we're so good at social media. We're so good at it, and um, <laughs> still lost because it's. In Kansas City, and the Chiefs play well in Arrowhead, but it just started off with a crazy game, and then it got crazier. I mean, the Browns at one point in that game had like a ninety-eight percent chance of winning, or something, according to FPI or whatever. And the Jets came back and won. Uh, same thing in the Dolphins. What was it? Yeah, Dolphins Ravens. Dolphins Ravens game, and I think the Giants Panthers. No, that one wasn't quite as dramatic. The Dolphins, Dolphins, Ravens, and the Cardinals, Raiders, Cardinals, Raiders, Cardinals, Raiders, and the because yeah. the Cardinals in scored crazy sixteen points fumble. in the fourth quarter unanswered. Yep, to force overtime. Just crazy week of football. Dude, that Miami one cracks me up though because 
they get the game tying touchdown mm-hmm. on that streak by Tyreek Hill, who gets manned up on the defensive back with only one safety over the top, but on the opposite side of the field. So there was no safety help over the top. And that defensive back didn't even backpedal. Like he was playing for the cut to the sideline and just Tyreek just blew past him and it was over. All, all, all Tua had to do was just throw it semi-accurately and it was a touchdown. Like it was just the it was just blown defense. Just it's oh my goodness. Crazy to me how you'd let how you line up one on one with Tyreek and no uh, Also help the Falcons the game got now. interesting towards the end. Falcons Rams. Falcons scored 17 in the fourth to get to try to bring it in, but of course, the in Falcons, true Falcons fashion, <laughs> they just can't win a game. <laughs> they just can't win a game. Marcus threw two picks that day. Oh. Not great. And also, yeah, and you gloss over gloss over the the Chargers Chiefs real quick, but uh, despite taking the L, the Chargers are the best team in that. Division. I agree with that completely. That, that's probably true. I mean. I think Kansas City took everything Kansas City had to get that game. And Herbie was, oh, I mean, I don't want to beat this dead horse about uh, Cristobal not throwing the ball downfield, but Herbert threw an absolute 45-yard dart with busted ribs. Imagine what you could have done just, in Oregon healthy just if you just let, just him. let, him. let him do anything. <laughs> well, we'll, I'm sure anyway, we'll go we don't there need to, we, we don't need to go football, there. We don't need to go there. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, the Broncos notched their first oh, yeah. win of the Russell Wilson era in kind of gross fashion. Wasn't pretty. Yeah, but things are so bad. The so things are so bad. The fans are having to help the coach out, help the team out. They're counting down the it's play pretty, clock so you guys don't mess up. It's pretty remarkable that it's kind of a shit show there. First time head coaches can't figure out clock management, like the basics of it. It's crazy, and it happens every time. Which, tease, we need to uh, talk about Dan Lanning because the way they coached that BYU game in the fourth quarter when Bo Nix came back in, that was masterful clock management. We'll get there. Oh, little tease. That's why I said it was a tease. Jesus. (laughs) God, coming up later. The Broncos will be fine, as I texted Eli when... We were both commiserating about how awful it was to watch that football game. Well, it, like for me, it was like the play calling. I was, oh, was just bad. like, everything. I literally about said, it. I sent Jamie a text that was like, "What the fuck is this?" It was just like, like they just like again. It was Russell Wilson was just doing nothing, like, um, and then it wasn't. Let me get that wasn't Russell's fault. They weren't giving him the opportunity to actually play some fucking football. I'm watching. It's just the local news is on after. Uh, Monday Night Football now, and it is just talking about how terrible the Broncos' play calling and stuff was. <laughs> it was just, it was, it was just like boring. It was predictable. Yeah, it was bad. It was look just dink and dunk, and like not even like it wasn't like the kind of dink and dunk. Like like you look at Oregon uh, last week against Eastern Washington, it's kind of dink and dunk, but they're getting twenty yards of playoff dink and dunk. Yeah, this is what they were getting two. Yeah. It just wasn't nothing was worth as yeah. I mean, as I texted you on Sunday, uh don't be surprised if it takes four or five weeks for this thing to actually look like it should look. Both because it's a new coaching staff and you got a new quarterback in there. I want to remind Broncos fans out there how the first three or four weeks with Peyton Manning looked, because it was not good. 
It was gross. It was real gross. Pretty sure the Broncos were two and three. You know, radio stations here were like, the sky is falling. Peyton Manning's done. Blah, blah, blah. He's and watched. Then, and then the rest is history. So pump the brakes for a hot second. There are caution flags being thrown because of what you said. It's not like they're not ju- they're just not executing. It's the right shit's not happening. Um, well, and then I mean, there was also there was also execution as well. I mean, like the the receivers were dropping, uh, like they dropped like three, like like in the first quarter, there's just three bad drops. Yeah, the Broncos are the, getting absolutely fucked by injury again in the wide receiver core, though. Yeah, just. But I mean, you're, if you're a professional wide receiver, if it, it you can't drop catch the ball. the ball. Yeah, no, you can't you drop. Know, the ball even right like if it hits you. both your hands, you catch the ball. Like yeah. they. You don't have to get a bunch of yards after. You don't have to be like some amazing route runner. But if the ball's there, you got to catch the ball. That's like the one thing you have to do as a wide receiver in the NFL. Agreed. Catch the dang ball. Catch the dang ball. And then Chris, the Niners, came away with a win against Seahawks, as we predicted. However, they lost Trey Lance in the process. Maybe the best thing that's going to happen to him all season. I'll just say it. <laughs> It's incredible. It's incredible. I I, uh, I hate like looking at the situation and, and feeling good about it. It's so unfortunate what happened to him. What's crazy is uh, they didn't like show a lot of replays, but when I saw oh, it, it happen, forced, I was like, it it's broken. Like I saw it. And then I was amazed that he tried to walk. Like he didn't realize it was broken. He stood up and and I, I saw a couple. Uh, Jeff Schwartz, former Oregon Duck, chimed in on Twitter. Said, "Yeah, that happened to him before, where he 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 broke his ankle and didn't even realize it until he went to take a step." And anyway, so I was like, "Okay, that's tough." I mean, that's toughness right there. Um, but yeah, now he's done, and the the Niners are in such a weird situation, dude. Because now Jimmy G comes in. The night offense looks night and day different with him in there. He's gonna make. He's going to make his Jimmy G mistakes. It's just going to happen. But I've been saying this on this show. I've been saying it on the radio, on Rip City Radio 620. Give it a listen. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is the better quarterback. It's not. And I don't think that's really debatable. They just went into the we need, we're going to develop our young guy mode. Uh, but now this it's going to give them a chance to win more more ball games. And there's already reports coming out of that locker room that fans or uh, players are going, you know, good we have a better chance now because the guy that we wanted to be quarterback is the quarterback and now what like so so now this is crazy though because what happens if jimmy g turns this thing around gets them flowing and this team makes a run i mean they're better than the seahawks top to bottom they're better than the cardinals and they have all the horses to run with the rams when it comes to winning that division so if you make a miraculous say you make a super bowl run and I, i don't i don't think they do but let's just say they do Say they make a run to the Super Bowl. Can you really just let Jimmy G walk after he's led your team to two Super Bowls? He didn't win, but he led you to two Super Bowls. I don't think you. And can just say, do nope, that, we're gonna no. go back to Trey Lance because he's the guy. He's. I. I don't think you can. I don't think you can. It's such a weird situation that they're in, and uh, I don't know if I really want to blame Kyle Shanahan for the injury, but at the same time, the history of using non-running backs as running backs that he has i mean was he not uh an assistant in washington during the robert robert griffin days right he was there 
Um, and if you remember correctly, yes, he, he he was something someone who got flushed out of the pocket. But I mean, Jimmy G's original ACL injury at the sideline for a year. I was on a run. He ran to the outside, got tackled. Like he was running. Uh, finding your and and even if it wasn't a design run, just finding ways for your quarterback to be smart enough to get rid of the ball or not using him to run between Silly. the tackles. Like that's just it. crazy to me. Like so, yeah, I don't know if he's all to blame here, but I, I, there's a difference difference to me between uh, like a quarterback who can run and a running quarterback. Like Josh Allen is a quarterback who can run. But he's not called on to run 35 times in two weeks or some crazy number like Trey Lance was. Trey Lance right now is being well, used as a with Debo last year. running quarterback. Right. Like, uh, uh, mm-hmm. like D- and, and Debo held out because he wanted to get paid because he's like, dude, you're drastically altering my shelf life, uh, shelf life as an yeah, NFL player by making me a wide him. receiver and a running back. Pay me. So anyway, it's, it's so it's weird because I do not want to see Trey Lance go out like that. Uh, I didn't want to see him get injured, and I hope he heals up and still gets another chance here. But it's the team's in a better position because Jimmy G's the better QB. So we'll see what happens because it's going to be very interesting because the Niners, I don't think, can afford to lose in week three. Jimmy G's first real, quote, start back in that lineup, the juice they got going, they got to win that game. But Denver, they can't Broncos afford to go in three. One and one, so they got to win that game. Going three, but. So, I, oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, they, they still can't afford to lose that game. They they can't. Sorry. I, I don't know why I said that. But still, they got to they gotta win that game too. So I think it's going to be a damn good football game. So that's good shit for everybody involved. Sad I mean, for the injury, I, but I, 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 I you've been Jimmy very G consistent in that too. Like, <laughs> you've been very consistently team Jimmy G. The the draft pick to begin with was a head scratcher at best. So, yeah, I mean the potential's there, right? Like his ceiling is there, but like you know, it just doesn't seem like I just don't understand why the Niners felt they like they were in the position to take a risk like that when they had just gone to the Super Bowl. It it just seems it. I don't know. I I never agreed with that call, and I like John Lynch and everything, but uh, that one seemed like a stretch to me. All right. I'm going to crack open my second beer because it's the Bronco Country Hoppy Pale Ale. Nice. From Let's Breckenridge ride PA. <laughs> Let's ride. I don't think they had enough time to do that. but That would be great, though. But I like that. <laughs> Broncos country, let's ride PA. (laughs) Yep. All right. We're going to move on to the greatest sport in the history of time. Yes. I actually, I'm going to go run and grab another beer. So vamp on on college football. Uh, I know you guys, it's really going to be hard for you guys to just say things about college football for the 10 seconds. I'm going to be gone. I don't know how we're going to do it. I'm just letting you know to do it. Okay. Okay. Appreciate you. All right. Um, how much did you watch this weekend, Chris? Because I watched more than I have in a long time. I a watched a little bit soccer games. I paid attention. Yeah, that was the only thing. Didn't get any during the soccer games. Doubleheader. Had to turn the phone off so that I was like, if there's anyone who would text me a score update when I don't no want doubt. it, it would be Jamie and Eli. So I muted our text conversation and then and then turned my phone off. I came back. I think when I got back home, it was just the start of the second half. So I watched the game from the beginning. I find fast it forward very and hard it, to do that. I watched. Uh, I watched plenty though. Very, very difficult for me 
to, to do what? Yeah, not score check and also to watch a game from behind. I can't do the no score yeah. check thing. I have to check the score, um, but I can catch up. Like I can watch if I it know the score. If I know the yeah. score, I can do it. Yeah. If I if I <laughs> did, didn't have the ability to know the score for whatever reason, I couldn't n- know that I could be live and and just casually be sitting on my couch watching something yeah. that happened two hours ago. My anxiety can't handle that. Are we talking about the duck game? Uh, Chris was yes. Um, we hadn't got into the nitty gritty of it, but let's just start there. The Ducks pounded the socks off of BYU. Just like and I, I think I, I think I even texted this to you, Jamie. Outside of those two drives with Ty Thompson, that little span of like, I think it was like eight game minutes. There, um. Outside of those eight game minutes, it was utter domination. It to, was like to the extent of I like I obviously we said it was going to be a close game. I had no idea that the Ducks would come out and play like this. Like it and this was is like utter domination. The the especially like the crazy part was to me is that the front like the, just like the both D line and O line play because that is what BYU is good at, right? BYU is good at lining up on the ball and they're going to do it the rest of the year too. They're going to lining up on the ball and beating the teeth out of the people across from and the ducks just, they they were just more physical, which was very promising as a duck fan to be like, they're just out physicaling one of the most physical teams in the NCAA right now. I'm going to, my hot take about this game is this game doesn't look like this. If Oregon doesn't play Georgia week one. That Georgia game grew this team up faster than anything else could. Yeah. And at the end of the year, we may look back on that just fucking beat down that they took week one and let there's no two ways about it. It was fuck old school just beat you into the turf for sixty minutes. That's what happened to the Ducks week one. That may be the best thing that happens to them all season. Yeah. I mean, like I just just why? Uh, yeah, I I totally agree with that. Is like the that that week one drubbing was the wake up call that they needed, right? And like you know, the statistically the best improvements are made between week one and week two. If you can go into a game and have every single minute mistake that you that you make lead to a touchdown for the other team or a fucking pick or like you know, a 10 yard loss, like every single minute detail that they missed in that first game was taken advantage of by Georgia. Every single one of them. Yep. And you know what they did the next two weeks, they played some of the most disciplined football I've seen an Oregon football team play. I mean, they are form tackling. They are in the right spots. Like it's just like, they played such disciplined football. Like, you know, like, Triquesi, uh, Triquez Bridges, is that how you yeah. say it? So, yeah, Triquezi, Yeah, I, I don't know how to. I don't know how to pronounce it, but you know, he's young. He's going to get burned a couple times, like he did. Um, and you know, that's going to happen with a young corner, uh, you know, young cornerback core. But um, like outside of that, him getting burned like a couple times, like he's going to learn from that. Obviously, he learned. He he was night and day better than he was at the Georgia game, and even at the Eastern Washington game, he was better than he was there. Um. I just like I just I see the consistent improvement from this duck team and uh, man, who I was not expecting that win against BYU that big like that. Chris. 
Yeah, outplayed, outcoached. Um, they were ready, and that's that's the thing. I, I, as I, I tweeted after the game, I think there's a lot of don't do not get on the oh. uh, BYU was overrated train, or I didn't know. That's why I like this win a lot because BYU is a very, very good football team who's going to win more times than they lose for the foreseeable future with Kalani Sataki there. Um, I said it going in to this game that I thought the biggest difference in this game was going to be the who played better, Hall or Knicks. And I don't think Hall played terrible, but Knicks had a game that I don't think Oregon fan saw coming from him at any point. Uh, and that he is playing what he did. In that game is exactly what Bo Nix needs to do for this team to right the ship and be successful. And that's not have monster games. It's just command the game, control the game, and do what you need to do. Don't make mistakes and just get the ball moving down the field. That was a that was a game management type game from Bo Nix. It was I didn't want to interrupt you, so I raised my hand. Um no, that's like that's a really good point. And like kind of piggybacking on that. Um one thing the thing I saw that really stood out for keeping like, you know really investing in the Bo Nix era was watching uh, Ty Thompson come into the game and they just lost their focus. They lost their drive, you know, and like they just kind of, I don't know. They just, they weren't, they weren't executing. They weren't clean. The rhythm wasn't there Uh, to be fair. Ty Thompson started two drives really, you know, on really long, deep, um, you know, like third and 36 or whatever it was, you know, because of a um, bad backwards pass, you know, stuff like that. Like Ty Thompson didn't play great, but like I, I, for me, it was more about the other players around him and to watch Bo Nix come back in and give them the veteran presence of like, calm down. You are better than them today. Keep being better than them. Just play your fucking game. You don't need to do anything different. You could see the team relax and immediately that team went back to like a hard driving winning on the line of scrimmage because they didn't with the two, the two or three uh, drives with Ty Thompson and they didn't win the line of scrimmage, not once. And they did every single time Bo Nix was on the field and that's just veteran leadership. And I think that's the most valuable asset that Bo Nix brings to this team right now. Yeah, it absolutely is. And you know, you're talking about him playing game management football, but, what it led to was a few big chunk plays, which he is more than capable of producing. The pass that he had to, I believe it was Franklin. Troy Franklin. That, oh it was like God. 68 yards in the air. Just It was, to a it was an dime. absolute dime. And dime. then it was an incredible catch by Franklin. Yeah. It was just an all-round. Just, that, was, that was, for me, that was the play I was like, Okay, I think Oregon's got this pretty nice. Yeah. Like, I yeah. don't think there's, I don't think this is getting turned around the other way. I mean, Although I gotta his... tell you, go ahead. Being the Oregon fan that I am, when they got, you know, when they scored and then immediately got the ball back, I was like, "Fuck, here we go." Yep. Me too. Every single <laughs> Oregon here we fan go was again, thinking man. the same thing, um, <laughs> for sure. Uh, but I mean, if you look at Bo Nix's stat line: thirteen for eighteen, two hundred twenty-two yards, two touchdowns, no picks. It Three doesn't get touchdowns. a whole lot better than that. Yeah, he's I'm just 75 yards rushing. Passing. Yeah. But, yeah, also add 75 yards rushing and three touchdowns. Not a bad day. Not a bad day for Bo. Not a bad day. I, like, the thing that just stood out to me and why I'm, like, so excited about this win is, one, like Chris said, BYU is a great fucking football team, right? Like, they beat a great team. 
and they, they did it handily by doing it very fundamentally. And that's like the thing, like for Eastern Washington, like they were more fundamental than they were against Georgia. Um, but like, it's hard to tell really against like kind of that lower end opponent, like actually where they are watching them play disciplined, fundamental, where they're supposed to be football on that and consistently through the whole game. Like it wasn't like they had like two or three great drives or they were just consistent, you know? And um, just watching that was just like, this is, this is where I was like, okay, I see it. Like, even if the ducks don't have a great season this year, even if they drop a couple, I see it. Right. I can see how Dan Lanning can make this team great. Yeah. And I don't think they're even going to drop many. To be I don't. I don't really it. think so either. But like, even if they do, like, I can see where this. I can see the direction this team wants to go. Like, I love the offensive and defensive schemes. Right. I love the fact that they lined up in shotgun. They lined up in power eye. When was the last time you saw the Ducks line up in fucking power eye under center? The nineties, <laughs> two thousand one with Joey Harrington, maybe. It never happened under Chip Kelly, not once. They, I mean, they they had a big man set in there. They had three tight ends in. Jumbo yeah, definitely baby. haven't seen that in a long time or ever. I was just like, and then and then to watch him immediately go to a spread option. I was just like, this is fucking great. I love this. Well, let 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 Dillingham cook, baby. Like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. It was so di- the offensive play calling was like diverse. It was great. I loved it. Uh, I'm I'm gushing now, but. It was it was a really good win, and I'm. Very well, make mo- make no mistakes about it on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Jaron Hall is a legit quarterback, like yeah, legit, absolutely. legit, and he will probably play in the NFL. Um, and he didn't have a bad day by any means. He had 305 yards passing, uh, 29 of 41 with two touchdowns and no picks, but. They basically made him a non-factor for most of the game. Yeah. I will say I do have one slight concern right now is that um, we're three games into the season and the Ducks have zero turnovers. Right? I don't remember any against Eastern Washington. No. Um, There definitely wasn't any against Georgia. Let me look real fast. Yeah, I just I don't I don't remember any against East Washington. I could be wrong. But, like I didn't watch like two interceptions. Oh, on the books. Never mind then. Yeah, they were. I was gonna say I was being quiet because I was multitasking. But yeah, they turned the ball over against Georgia. That was a big momentum swinger because it was that was the narrative going in is you can't make mistakes against a team like Georgia, and they yep. did. So two picks. They much. do have a forced fumble, but didn't recover it. So they're getting the ball out. Not at an alarming rate or anything, but I guess I guess it's just an adjustment because last year, I mean, they lived and died by the turnover, right? Literally lived and died by it. Yeah, and and so like I guess having like a slower pace on the like the turnover game is rough. I would rather not have to rely on the turnovers, but I guess if if we're looking at what we could improve on, it's it's the turnover margin. But and I mean, overall, to be fair, uh, to be fair, you've got you you're, you're going against you know um, maybe the best quarterback in the country this year, Stetson Bennett, and you have Jaron Hall, who's a solid quarterback, who's going to be you know <laughs> <laughs> maybe the best quarterback. He's playing like it, man. Um, he's not the most talented by any means, but come on, let's um, 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, and then, um, like, Jaron Hall, who's a solid NFL quarterback, you know, at the end of the day. So I guess, like, I shouldn't be that concerned because you got two guys who are really good at taking care of the ball. Yes, for sure. Um, let's go elsewhere in the Pac-12 before we move on to the rest. Uh, the other marquee game of the week, Pac-12, was up in Seattle, and this was not a game that I saw coming at all. Uh, and we ripped ooh, Husky ooh. fan a new one last week <laughs> when we recorded. Uh, but uh, Washington dominated that game from the minute that it started. Yep, top to bottom. That yeah, color you know, call us the fools for thinking that Michigan State's you know worst pass defense in the country last year might be better. <laughs> Holy crap, Swiss, Swiss fucking cheese, cheese. Swiss cheese, and it did not. It did not help. The defense did not make Penix look good. He had a yeah. night where I think he would have torched a lot of defenses. It didn't help that. It didn't help their defense that he looked like a freaking Heisman contender in that game. I mean, I will still stand by what I said about Husky fan for the week last week. Uh, but at the football field, they proved yes, it this week, man. And Penix looked good. Good. Yes, he did. <laughs> like, Michael Penix was 24 for 40, 397 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Pretty good. That's pretty a good, good day. That is a good day. Um, That is all the praise I'm willing to give Washington on this show. So we're going to move on to uh, some not-so-good things in the Pac-12. Not even going to talk about Colorado this week. They shouldn't have a head coach right now, and they do, and I'm not happy about it. So uh, we're going to talk about UCLA almost losing to South Alabama in Pasadena on Saturday and then celebrating in the locker room like they just won the fucking Super Bowl. Did you guys see that? <laughs> yes, I did. That is embarrassing as fuck. I don't know what you you're... Know feelings you are know the on it. The funniest but. part about that is there's no narrative about that at all. I was looking for it cuz I was like, okay, like let's see like let's see like where the cuz usually the national media like beats the shit out of like Pac-12 teams for just skating by, right? Like they're usually just like they're terrible. How do you only get it? but you know, of course if an SEC team does it is cuz it was a tough opponent or whatever. But like Usually, but I have seen maybe it's because they're moving to the Big Ten. That is a hundred percent why. But it's they not like a they're just narrative. like there's nothing like it's just like they they escape the bid, they escape an upset bid. That's it. That's like the only like nobody's talking about how like you know oh maybe they shouldn't be you know maybe they're not that great. Nobody's talking about that. Nobody's talking about like them crazy celebrating locker room. It's just like yeah they just they almost lost. Okay bye, like. <laughs> It's so weird, dude. It's so weird. I Welcome mean, to the Big yeah, Ten. That, yeah, I guess. Um, USC beat Fresno State handily. Um, Jake this Hayner, was a weird one. Jake Hayner's like, out for the season now, I think. That's unfortunate, man. Um, definitely popped something, so I don't know how long he's out, but he was out. Um, didn't help anything for Fresno State. Well, like the, the weird thing about the Fresno State, I was watching that and like they moved the ball like crazy because yeah, they, they just did. couldn't finish. Yep. Again, like I'm just like sitting there, uh, you know, I was kind of is 
I was I was like watching it, being like, "Come on, baby, like, be, like make me look good, make me look like I can analyze this." Because they kept moving the ball, they just couldn't fucking finish a drive. Oh, this this is why this is why a USC fan is loving themselves some USC right now, and USC's back and blah blah blah. And bro, like I said on last week's pod, you beat Rice and you beat Stanford. Yeah, whoop-de-doo, your offense should look good against those two teams. But even against those two teams, your your defense looks suspect. Fresno State made your defense look suspect. Like, that's the difference between USC and Oregon right now is Oregon has it on both sides of the ball. That's the difference between USC and Utah right now is Utah has it on both sides of the ball. And if you're USC, and same with Oregon, I mean, I know you don't like it, but you should be worried about Washington because Washington's playing like a team that has it on both sides of the ball. That's what makes championship teams. Alabama and Georgia have been historically good defensively, but what did they also do on the other side of the ball? They put up points, and they had studs, and and they had offense that that churned churned out yards. USC is one-dimensional right now. It's offense, offense, offense with a defense that Fresno can State be beat. And they will drop a game or two this year because of that defense. The fact they only had 17 points yeah, is kind of crazy. crazy. <laughs> like, it's almost a statistical anomaly at that point that they only had 17 points. Yeah, that's nuts. Right. That's a lot of yards. That's a lot yep. of yards. Um, we probably do. Like, I don't know, Kind of going back to the Oregon game, um, I don't know if we want to touch on this necessarily, but... Um, Oregon owed uh, BYU a little bit of uh, an apology, I would say. Um, by a little bit, I mean a lot of bit of apology, and they did. Oregon sent an official like, hey, this is you bullshit. Think? For those of you who don't know, um, Oregon fan, and we kind of shit on you guys sometimes, and sometimes you fucking deserve it. You know, the student section, um, after, after BYU came out of their tunnel with a Spencer Webb Oregon flag, to like commemorate Spencer Webb, their teammate. Um, later in the game, the student section decided to say, you know, F the Mormons. Um, so good on you, Duck fans, idiots. Don't make your school look that bad. Like So the good thing, the one good thing I will say about this is I've heard, I've seen people who were sitting close to the student section say that this was a small section of the student section. Not, It wasn't like... You know, you we've heard some of the chants coming out of the student section. It's the whole thing. They're saying it was a small faction of them. And then there were other BYU fans that were in attendance that said that Duck fans were overwhelmingly welcoming and positive and receptive to them being there. So, yes, real bad. Those students deserve to be punished for their actions if we, if we can find out who they were. But at least it wasn't some sort of overwhelming majority of students or the fan base as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you see that uh, Oregon had a recruit there? Uh, quarterback recruit TC Manu Maluana. He was there and he's from Salem. Uh, his family, Mormon. Yes. So they heard those chants and his dad said, yeah, did I think we that. need to leave. And he 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 left. Uh, now they were he was interviewed. Now now uh, to the to the kids' credit, like he was interviewed about it and said that like that was kind of just like it was an unfortunate experience, but it doesn't sour him on the university because 
you know, kind of understands there's a difference between idiots in the student yeah. section and the team that he's going to commit to go play for if that's the case. <laughs> but it's one of those things that like, dude, like, don't say dumb shit because you don't know who you're impacting and you shouldn't have to worry about the maybe, maybe future duck guy yeah, in the stands. Just don't be a dick. Maybe you just shouldn't be a complete fucking asshole to the team on the other side. Yeah, be better. Um, other Pac-12 notes, Oregon State put up 68 on Montana State. I believe that's the most points Oregon State has scored since like 2001 or something like that. Definitely the most of the Jonathan um, Smith era. So Oregon sure. State continues to be strong. Arizona squeaked one out against North Dakota Just State. Real quick. Sorry, uh, jumping back a little real quick. Um, I saw that for the first time since 1915, both Oregon State and Washington State are 3-0 and to start the season. Whoa. Over a really? hundred years before since both of those teams have been three and zero. Washington State's about to be three and one, but <laughs> I just I I just saw that stat and I had to text it to my sister who is a Beaver. It's like, oh, I mean the it. North, the North <laughs> is the the Pac twelve North is run by the Pacific Northwest. Cal and Stanford are bad. Yeah, <clears throat> Brandy Mellon, baby, five nice. stars. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> nice. Uh, Arizona squeaked one out against North Dakota State. I would have picked North Dakota State in this one, uh, but props to Arizona for pulling it out. And then Arizona State lost at home to Eastern Michigan by nine points, and Herm Edwards, from the videos I have seen, was (laughs) fired before he even left the field. Good. I, I mean, that program's fucking falling apart. Props to Arizona State for fucking doing something about it. Talking directly to you, Rick George, you piece of shit. <laughs> it was it, it. This was Arizona State going shit, guys. Nebraska. We thought Nebraska was going to give us like three more weeks before we ha- had to fire Herm, but Nebraska had to go and fuck this up, and now they can talk to Urban Meyer, and we want to too. We got to get rid of Herm, guys. <laughs> like, like they want to get in on the Urban Meyer sweepstakes here. Um, so the odds for the Arizona State job coming in at number one, and I, I don't agree with this at all. Um, Mike Norvell at Florida State. He's three and zero. Florida State it seems to have been turning around the program. I don't see that. Why the fuck would he leave would, Florida would, State for why Arizona? Why would you State? leave Florida? He's he's an Arizona. Yeah, he's why an Arizona would you leave guy. Florida State? He grew up there or something. Like he's he's like a home state guy. Cool, Florida State, dude. I, I mean, like I, I I don't get that odds. I don't get that. But anyways, next Jamie Chadwell, Coastal Carolina head coach. That's interesting. I could see that. That's, That's interesting. an interesting one. Next, Kalani Sitaki. BYU. I don't think there's a chance in hell. Now with them moving to the bad. Big I don't 12, think he leaves no. BYU. I don't think. He yeah, leaves. I, I, I don't see that at all. Um, then Lance Lapold um, at Kansas. Uh, Willie Fritz, Troy Calhoun, Craig Bull. Um, I also saw Matt Rule on on one other site, and that's an interesting one because he's probably going to get fired. That, yeah, that is one that uh, on game day. Um, Pat McAfee brought up as well as a candidate for Nebraska. And it's like, I think that's one that's 
going to fly under the radar. Because like you just said, like I don't think people are realizing how much his job is in jeopardy and how he would make great sense for either Nebraska or Arizona State. For the listeners of this show, were we not talking about Matt Rule as a possible candidate for yes, the we Oregon job? Like he's he's a good good Absolutely. college coach, man. I mean, so I so I think yeah, that'd okay. be a good. I found, I found the article I was looking at earlier. It's not an odds article, but this is like the better speculation one. Matt Rule at number one, leader in the clubhouse. If he's interested, um, Anderson, the AD, loves NFL guys, um, and so if if Matt Rule is gone from the Panthers, it should it should be Matt Rule essentially. Uh, number two is Byron Leftwich. Tampa Bay offensive coordinator. That would be interesting. Again, very interesting. You know, I don't see it, though. I don't see it because Leftwich is very, very smart. And I think he's going to work his way into trying to get maybe a a good gig in the NFL one day. But, like, Byron Leftwich doesn't seem like the guy who wants to go put together a staff and go hit that recruiting trail hard. I agree with that. He seems like a guy who just wants to continue to sit in that quarterback room and work with his guys and put the best product for his team out there. And I think recruiting would hamper that. So, I, I mean, I get where they're going because I like Byron Leftwich, but I could see him almost oddly getting an NFL head coaching job before he yeah. goes to college. I still okay. see him as a recruiter. Number three, Dan Mullen, formerly of Florida, now an ESPN analyst doing his uh, Don't Forget Me Tour on an- Analyst. <laughs> Um, number four is Todd Munkin, Georgia's offensive coordinator. I think that's kind of a stretch. Um, of course, Dan Landon left. <laughs> so, who knows? Uh, five. Here's an interesting one for me. Hugh Freeze. Ooh, that's a name I haven't I know. Have thought of. You know eventually <laughs> somebody's going somebody's gonna to come back with, with a Hugh Freeze hire. Um, so, we'll, we'll see about that. Um, and then number six, Brian Harson. Uh, Auburn guy, uh, he's probably out this year. Let's be real; he's not going to be at Auburn much longer. I don't think it wasn't a fit. It wasn't a fit from the beginning. No, it wasn't. right? Like it just—it was never. It was never going to work out there. He's—I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to Boise State first. <laughs> um, <laughs> and here's here's my favorite one out of all of these. All right, number seven, Dion Sanders, baby. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he would ever do that because I think he actually likes coaching at the historical, uh, historical black colleges. Um, I think he likes bringing a light to those colleges, um, i.e., getting the number one recruit in the nation. So, um, and then to round up the list, you got Tom Herman. Uh, wouldn't be terrible. Um, he wasn't great at Texas, but he's great at Houston. And I mean, Arizona State's closer to Houston than they are to Texas. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mike Norvell again. Uh, Justin Wilcox, because he has to be thrown into every fucking Pac-12 job search ever. And then Rick Neuheisel, another good one. So I think Matt Rule is the best hire for them. That would be the only one of that list that I think would make any sense, personally. So. And then there's there's uh, the Buffaloes over here sending a note to supporters, basically saying, we know that you think you should fire your coach, but you should come watch the games anyway. That was total Cliff Notes version of what this note said, but um, support us even though we're not trying. That's to all. That's everything. all I'm talking about. The buffs today. <laughs> um, at this point, I'm just kind of hoping that they get their the shit beat out of them because I need Carl Durrell to be fired, and that is the end of that. So let's get into other college football stuff. 
Uh, there were other games, not just the Pac-12 this week. So we have... The Pac-12 was fun this week, though. The Pac-12 was, was a lot fun, of fun to watch this week. The Pac-12 <laughs> was fun. It felt like the Pac-12 of old. Um, Georgia and Alabama rolled. So, so did Ohio State and Michigan. So the top four really had no issues. Clemson ended up rolling, uh, but it was only 13-6 to at halftime over Louisiana Tech. I'm still not fully buying the Clemson is back hype train. I I, I agree. I'm still not there either. Agreed. Uh, Oklahoma beat the shit out of Nebraska. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of <laughs> yes, waved at that one as it went by me, didn't I? <laughs> yes, you did. And it could have been worse because they scored 14 points, 21 points. 14 points respectively in the first, second, third quarters, and then didn't score in the fourth because they just stopped. Yeah. Uh, so it could have been way worse. They had 49 points after three. <laughs> uh, let's see. USC, we already talked about. Oklahoma State beat the crap out of Arkansas Pine Bluff. Is that what that yep. is? I don't even yep. know if that's Arkansas cool. Pine Bluff. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Cool. Kentucky shut out Youngstown State. So we're getting into cupcake Dude, week, can, I guess. Here's the thing. Kentucky fans are like real up in arms right now. They think they're like a top four team. It's pretty wild, man. Like I was like, I was just kind of browsing today and I went like a couple different places. I had like a TikTok come up and then also like I was on Facebook a little bit and they're like, they're out I mean, force being. I like, mean, just wait. If if they happen to beat Ole Miss in two weeks and then Tennessee three weeks after that, by the time they get to the Georgia game on November 19th, if you think they're insufferable now, wait till that point. Yeah, I don't, no, I just, I don't I, think they'll just, win both those games. But. I was just I was just shocked because I was like, you guys are Kentucky fans. Like, <laughs> this is not like, I mean, go go watch basketball. What are you doing here? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Like as it's just it's just funny. I was seeing them everywhere today, just everywhere, just being like, "This is bullshit." Kentucky's a top four team. They're like they're better. They could beat all these fucking teams. And I was like, "You Everybody beat Youngstown? Like, what are you talking about?" <laughs> yep. I don't know. I don't know. And then, other than the Oregon BYU game, the other marquee game, top twenty five game of the week was Miami at Texas A and M. And I definitely texted you guys multiple times during this game because the broadcasters were essentially saying everything that Oregon fans have been saying for the last four years about Mario Cristobal's in-game coaching. (laughs) It was incredible. It was incredible. They were just sitting there just dogging everything about his play calling and clock management. And it's just like, yeah, (laughs) we know. How is a coach who is such a good recruiter and honestly a pretty damn good football coach so bad at this like base level stuff like it is just, alarming oh right and that's why he got away like not even got away with it with fan base but he got such a pass because he is an incredible fucking recruiter incredible yeah. and just the in-game stuff probably, is probably, just I mean, yeah. mind-blowing yeah and me. like even like even like his yeah. prep work like the ducks always came out like ready to play it seemed like but they just like the schemes just aren't fucking yeah. there. The schemes aren't there, and the philosophy, on field philosophy, just isn't there. Oh, I text you, and you thought I was. You're you like, I, I'm not talking about Miami, and I told you to learn to fucking multitask, <laughs> Jamie. 
but he called a flea flicker for an 11 yard yeah, game. That's like the most Mario Cristobal thing I've ever they, heard. <laughs> I need to go back and watch like, the replay of this game because that's hilarious. Yes, like if, if that, like, like Jamie just said, Eli, if that is not the most Mario Cristobal play, I don't know what it is. A flea flicker and gained 11 yards. Wow. Brutal. Yeah. I still don't believe in Texas A&M. I still don't believe in them. Uh, No, they only (laughs) scored 17 points. Hell no. I mean, it's not like Texas A&M won this game. And if you listen to the game and the announcers, they made it very clear that Miami should have won this game, and they absolutely should have. I thought Miami was probably the better team. If if you take away the self-inflicted wound and just weird coaching – they, Miami they had more game. passing so, yards, yeah, more rushing yards, obviously more receiving yards, um, more. Oh, they lost one fumble. So, but still, like statistically, Miami should have won this game, uh, and they got Mario Cristobal, as I predicted. Um, let's see what else in college football. Tennessee continues to roll. We'll see what happens when they get into SEC play. Uh, the NC State Texas Tech game was good for a while, uh, and then NC State kind of pulled away. What else? Florida almost lost to South Florida. Arguably, should have lost to South Florida at the end of that one. Um, so they're not all they're cracked up to be. Um, what else? That's pretty much it. The rest of this was pretty chalk, other than Auburn getting beat by uh, 29 at home. Yeah, yeah, I think you are. Yeah, I think a lot of people I, I saw that one coming, though. Maybe the coolest thing that happened all weekend. What's that? Yeah, you are missing the coolest thing that happened all week. Appalachian State. Oh, I am. I was just looking at five games, that's why. That is definitely Appalachian State. My guys, I am a huge Appalachian State fan this year. I mean, just the way like their fans are. I don't know if you saw like the wave after game day, the wave of fans coming together after the win, like through the streets. Like it was like they just got something special going on this year. And I just I'm rooting for them fucking hard. I want them to be like the team that like somehow gets to the playoff or some shit or like the Fiesta Bowl. I know they're not going to get to a playoff, but like get to the Fiesta Bowl or some shit like that. Like I want them I want them to do that so badly at this point cuz like that was so cool to watch and like they're just like they've got a really cool atmosphere going on right now. They're the Cinderella that we all want. So definitely. And if 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 you want to know what he's talking about specifically in that game is it was one on a 70-yard Hail Mary. Yeah, that was and caught was like, on the eight yard line and still had to be run in. Yeah, caught it on the eight yard line, ran it in. There were five defenders around whoever caught the ball. And he still <laughs> five got defenders, him and, went and in. he came down with it, stayed on his feet, and ran it in for a touchdown. Unbelievable! So good. Also, don't want to necessarily gloss over the fact we kind of shit on Duke preseason and. Uh, we didn't do a full Big 12 preview, but we also would have shit on Kansas to start the season. I'm pretty sure, or I would have. I don't know about you guys. But both of those teams are 3-0, and which means that Duke has already surpassed, I think, all of our win totals. Um, yeah, I, I, I had Kansas a little higher, um, just like a scooch higher, like not like I, I like what they're doing out there. 
Um, I don't think they're there yet, though. Uh, to be fair, Duke has played uh, maybe the worst team in college football in Temple. No, um, that's here in Boulder. Okay. Uh, they played NCA&T, and then they have Northwestern. Northwestern is an okay team. So they got that win on them. So I, being honest, I don't think they win another game. Just looking at their schedule. Well, they play Kansas this week, which is why I brought it up. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, they're three and zero, which is I, I, that might be about where I had. Them. And I absolutely, I don't know where game day is going, and I, it's probably not here. But I would love for game day to go to Lawrence, Kansas, for this. That would be great. <laughs> it's not. Where is it? Probably somewhere. Well, in the my SEC. friend, it's going to Oregon, USC, Oregon State, USC. For real, I had Duke. At, I had Duke at four and eight. Is it really going to Oregon State, USC? No, it's going to Tennessee, that Florida. Probably makes, makes sense. more sense. <laughs> yeah, it's going to Tennessee, Florida. I, have, I just had to make a joke because Oregon State fan was all riled up that they didn't get it. I'm like, you're not going to get game day. You can't the even only get time they the got Pac-12 game day was when Oregon was about to head to the national championship because they were going to beat them. Okay, no, hold on, though. Hold on. We do need to talk about the, the mad disrespect that Oregon State is getting because, A, Jonathan Smith has turned that program around. B, wait, you're playing great football. Now, shut wait your mouth. Minute. I know you just wait hit Wait a minute. Him. No, what? I'm not going to let you say that I'm disrespecting what? him because I've been giving them nothing but credit all season. Not you. I said me. I said let's talk about the disrespect they're getting. I didn't say let's talk about the respect <laughs> that Jamie is giving Fair. them. Okay? But, but this game against USC is stuck on yeah, the fucking Pac-12 bullshit. network. It's a joke. Next week, Oregon State plays utah and that game is stuck on the pac-12 That's network a joke like imagine if oregon state miraculously pulls off this upset against usc which honestly very they well very could. well could you could have an undefeated oregon state versus utah one of the best teams in the conference the last three years and that's going to be stuck on the pac-12 network with no ability to flex that's just mad oregon state disrespect well, that's and like, brutal and it's like how and like you the pac-12 has to right in the ability to flex these games because that does not help your conference to continue to keep the the, the worst games or the, excuse me the best games stuck on your network oh you want that on espn you want that on fox you want that on abc you don't want to stuck on the pac-12 network i couldn't watch oregon state versus montana state this week because it was that's still what, on the fucking pac-12 network like it'd be one thing if it was like a like a a better network, right? If it was, it was on direct TV, if it was on Hulu live, it was on all these, like these, or, you know, whatever live TV or whatever Hulu is. Like if it was on these things, that'd be one thing, right? Cause if you have access to it and you could watch it, that's still fine. Right. But the fact is direct TV is no one access. of the biggest TV was one of the biggest TV providers in the country. And that's just not that. That is a chunk. That's just not there anymore. You can't like, you just it's can't brutal. be doing that, man. It's an absolute joke. Absolutely. Although it does, it, although it does, it does give me a real good excuse to not talk to the direct TV people in Walmart. You want to switch to direct TV? You got Pac-12 Network yet? <laughs> nope. Nope. Don't want it. Oh, it's like, didn't the um I mean just Pac-12 in general? Because like the Oregon Stanford game, like or is slated for an eight o'clock kick now. Like Pac-12, just I I think we've talked about this before. Get rid of fucking Pac-12 after dark. It does not help you as a national brand. Fuck it. Get all your games I mean, it dumb. It does because they get Idiot. crazy ratings numbers in those Pac-12 after dark games. But Dude, where? Just saying rate, where? Well, 
Oh, in Los in, in Los Angeles. Yo, that's Chris, cool. You're the one that you're, was, no, he, no, no, no. No one you is were the New one York. that was banging the table about TV fucking markets with these with this expansion yes. shit, and all of that is based on TV ratings, which is based solely yes. on the rating itself. And if Pac-12 After Dark gets ratings, what do you think the USC and hey. UCLA games? Hey, numb nuts. What? Hey, numb nuts. <laughs> If Oregon, Washington, Cal, and Stanford go to the fucking Big Ten, they're not putting them on at 8 o'clock at night, even if they get the TV yes, markets. Yes, they will. Do the TV markets matter? Absolutely. It doesn't, but but you have to make sure you put those teams on at prime time times so that fucking everybody in the nation can watch them. You're not growing the Pac-12 as a brand by literally only focusing I on your one you. TV, big TV I market. I guarantee you, if Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal and USC and UCLA join the Big Ten, you will have at least half the time, at least half of the season, you will have a Big Ten after dark game or whatever they want to call it. Guarantee it. I promise. Okay, well, that's fine for you to guarantee that, but the Big Ten doesn't need to work on building its brand. The Pac-12 does. The Pac-12 is a fucking sinking-ass ship right now. But there's going to be one. If if 8 p.m., if 8 p.m. was a prime time that was PM. pulling in fucking ratings over the PM. moon. I could see 7. Okay, like the Pac-12 seems probably. to think, like like the Pac-12 seems to think, then Monday night football wouldn't be kicking off at 5 o'clock. I agree with you. Well, the problem is 5 o'clock is prime time, right? And that's when the prime time games are. So the Pac-12's trying to get the leftover viewers and trying to dominate the West Coast. I'm not disagreeing with you that the the marketing and the idea of pac-12 after dark for the pac-12 is bad but if you think that the big Ten's not going to try to capitalize on those those west coast viewers being on the west coast and having west coast teams you're crazy because they're absolutely going to do that it's just not going to be like the marquee matchups of the week being on pac-12 after dark there's a difference between capitalizing on the market because yes, it can I agree helping with you. you versus building I your entire brand you. around that concept, which fully hampers you that. from growing. I don't There's agree th- with Pac-12 After Dark being like this. Like I said, there were three. I had three games on at like 10 p.m. last weekend, and I passed out on my couch in the middle of them. All Pac-12 games. That's inexcusable to me. Like and like two weeks from now, I'm gonna be in New York City. Oregon kicks off at 8 o'clock. Colorado kicks off at 7.30. I'm going to be asleep for both of those. Won't care. I And I agree with you. I think the Pac-12 has done a terrible job of doing that. Maybe one matchup a week I could see, and that's probably what the Big Ten's going to try to do if they do add all these West Coast schools and have the West Coast pod or however they want to do it. And... And like you said, making that add-on to your brand and and add additional viewers that you didn't have before is fine. Just don't make it like your whole identity. Uh, I was listening to national radio, and uh, one of the guys, it was like right when all this kind of started going down, like the realignment stuff. It was like a week after the UCLA-USC move announcement came out. He was actually saying this surprised me because I I was like on the boat with Chris. I was just fucking get rid of it. He was saying he's like he's like this big business analyst, sports business analyst guy, and I don't remember his name. Um, 
he was saying that the actual the most valuable thing about the Pac-12 right now is that they own that time slot. Now, I don't know the numbers behind that. <laughs> I, but this is what this guy said. And so I've kind of been like, all right, maybe I've maybe I've done a little too much hate for the Pac-12 after dark. Um, because as a fan of Pac-12 football, they're dope, right? Every Pac-12 after dark game is fucking sick. They always are like overtime or just like back and forth and wild. I get that it may not grow the brand, but that's all. My two cents is I was listening to radio. Some business analyst guy said it's actually the most valuable part of the Pac-12 right now is to own that time slot. I think Chris's point is that's sad. If that's if that's your most valuable asset is that you own a late time slot that half the country doesn't get to watch. That's a bad that's a bad business plan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. To be clear, like I'm not arguing that the idea of it's bad because I think the idea of Pac-12 Pac After Dark is great. It's a great marketing tool. But it's it's just like I said, a signal. And I even think Eli's point kind of proves that. It's like when that's your entire marketing ploy, and you're not like the the, the pack the Pac-12 is not invested in any of those other time slots and even trying yeah, to make joke. them a thing. And then when you bury good games on your network that no one can watch. You have you have you've just hampered your conference's ability to grow nationally, which feeds the one thing that every West Coast football fan hates more than anything, and yeah. that is East Coast the bias. Sh- I think the shitty part about it is like it's gotten to a point where it's largely out of the Pac-12's hands, right? Because because ESPN gets first right of refusal for all these games, and ESPN has one Pac-12 after dark game, and then the Pac-12 network also has a Pac-12 after dark game. And so if ESPN has the first right of refusal, who's ESPN going to want to put on the airwaves at that time when they can absolutely dominate any sports viewer that's watching TV at that time? They're going to put on USC and Oregon and Utah and the top teams in the conference, and that's not good for the brand of the Pac-12 when your best teams are playing late. That's the problem, and we can blame... Um, what's his fuck? For Larry that. Scott. Yeah, I already forgot his name. That's how little he fucking means to me. Um, burned into my memory. I don't know how I forgot it. Fuck that guy forever. Yeah. Um, this week's matchups in the Pac-12. Uh, we've got UCLA at Colorado. Uh, sure. UCLA big. I don't know, big man. They struggle against South Alabama, and I think even Colorado might be able to beat South <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> so uh, I would expect UCLA to have a bounce back game from that. I hope Colorado loses big, and Carl Durrell doesn't have a job next Sunday. That's my hope for Saturday in Boulder, uh, Oregon at Washington State um, on Oregon. Fox at two p.m. So that's nice. Yep, Oregon. Um, yeah, although I, here's the thing. It's gonna be it's gonna be closer than I want it to be because Oregon has a notoriously hard time playing in Pullman. I was just gonna say, am I alone in not feeling confident in this game because for some reason like Martin Stadium can turn into a house of horrors? I like, I understand like, where both of you little- are coming from, and I fully agree that I hate playing in that place for a variety of reasons. Uh I just think Dan Lanning is different and he's creating a totally different culture. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, the thing for me is like, I think Washington State is a little overhyped right now. Um, I think their and their offense just isn't really there. Uh, it's it's it, this honestly, 
I don't want to say it because I don't want to like totally whiff it. This this might be one of the worst offenses we've seen this year. Oh, I think it is. Washington State's I mean, offense is pretty bad. Like it is like their defense. Their defense actually looks really good. I'll give them that. Their defense looks good. Offense looks pretty pedantic right now. Um, I so heard. it's it's thank you. Uh, so it's 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 hard to it's hard to like not feel confident, but it's fucking Pullman. It's fucking Pullman. Crazier things have happened. So no I, doubt about it. I'm I'm not I'm still not taking Oregon, uber though. confident, but I'm taking I'm taking Oregon and I'm taking them pretty big. Uh, Arizona at Cal. Toilet bowl of the week. I think I think Arizona might win this kind of big. Is that weird? At Cal, I don't think they'll win it kind of big, but uh, I oh, I would not be shocked. Cal. I would not be shocked if Arizona won this game. I think I think Arizona might win this game. I'm gonna pick Cal, I'm but Cal. it like coin flip for me. I'm taking Cal because it's at Cal. Put it that way. Fair. USC at Oregon State. Pac-12 after dark on Pac-12 network. I'm picking Oregon State, dude. It's at Oregon State. Oregon State just seems to have USC's number. Even when they lose to USC, they always play up to USC, it seems like. In the last, I don't know, 10 years, it seems like they've played up to USC more than they've played down and getting shit canned. Um, USC has some obvious weakness at defense. Um I I just this, this, this feels like a good year for the Beavers to upset. USC. Yeah, it's going to be the Beavers in my book. Uh, chances are low, but I'm going with them. Biggest thing is this is a well-rounded football team that Jonathan Smith has. Um, it took a lot for them to beat Fresno State, but Fresno State's a good team. Um, they might have stayed in that game a little longer had Hayner not got hurt there at USC. Um, but even then, I think they should have done away with Fresno State a little bit quicker, a little bit easier. Like, Oregon State's a good team. And I think defensively, it's going to be a challenge uh, for USC to stop that offense, man. Oregon State, this is going to be the best offense they face. Uh, and Jonathan Smith is going to come ready. Um, the big, big question mark is how they feel uh, Bill Musgrave's, or, uh, <laughs> excuse me, how they feel Musgrave's shoes. Musgrave's out and his hands, dude, he's got the best hands on that team. Had a huge catch against Fresno State to end up leading to that win. Without him, how can everyone else step up? But whether it's running up the middle, running to the outside, getting Chance Nolan going, like offensively, I think they're going to be able to torch that USC defense, man. Can they stop him is the question. But because it's fun to do, pick an I think I, that's a little bit of mine too. Is just it's it's fun to do because there's there's I, I think it's fun to do because there's a legitimate there's legitimate reasoning behind it. Yeah, right. So uh, you can you can make the argument pretty easily. Will it happen? It probably not, but it's it's fun. I want to yep. side with both of you and pick Oregon State, but I'm going to pick USC by half a football stadium. Because because Oregon State only has half. Get it? Because they're playing. I, in half honestly, football honestly, I think if <laughs> if Oregon State had a full stadium and full crowd, and we could get full home field advantage, I might be more suited to pick Oregon State. Um, it's still hold a high on, school on, state. On, I get it. So you're only missing like fifteen thousand people. No, no, but. no. This uh, no, no, no. I'm just saying. At this point, they're fitting twenty six thousand people in twenty six thousand seats. Usually, they're fitting twenty six thousand people. In <laughs> there would have been forty thousand. So if Oregon State was better... undefeated and they had forty thousand seats, there would be forty thousand people there. But uh, 
I want to pick Oregon State. I really do, and I'm going to be rooting for them. But I'm going to pick USC. Uh, I just think they're more talented across the board on offense, especially. The defense is what is what scares me. You're right, Chris. Oregon State's a more rounded football team than USC is, and I won't be surprised if Oregon State pulls this upset off. Uh, I just don't know if they are going to be able to stop USC enough in this game. That, that and that's the way Oregon, the Oregon State wins this game is if USC's defense shits the bed. Like if they don't show up at all already, they're yep. going to get torched. They've been yep. torched already. This Pac-12 season. after dark game number two is Utah at Arizona State. Uh, it's going to be Utah by a million. By yeah. a full football. <laughs> By a full football stadium. <laughs> and Stanford at Washington rounds out the half of the Pac-12 that are playing after 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. <laughs> um, Washington. Washington big. I don't want to say big. David Shaw bounce David back. Shaw's bounce back. <laughs> David Shaw's back. David Shaw's. I love it, Chris. Do it. <laughs> no, I'm taking Washington. Washington man. big. They, they, felt like I'd. They look good. I had question marks about them heading into that Michigan State game. They were answered they emphatically. They're, I think, the biggest. This is going to be it's an interesting team because I think you're seeing a little bit of it with Washington State, too. And you're going to see some of it with Oregon. You've already seen it start to show itself at Oregon State how much coaching matters, how you can take what is roughly the same team, but use them with a new coach and things can change. Uh, this is not Jimmy Lake. Very clearly. Why did they just give Jimmy? If this was Jimmy Lake coaching this team, they should have. Mike Riley special. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But this is like if this is Jimmy Lake, I'm I'm taking David (laughs) Shaw, man. But it's not Jimmy Lake, so yeah. uh, Washington looks good. Agreed. Uh, and then elsewhere in the NCAA marquee matchups of the week, um. Clemson, Wake Forest, Clemson at Wake Forest. I'm picking Wake Forest in this one. So I don't believe in the Clemson being back thing. I don't. Wake Forest just doesn't look nearly as good as they did last year. Um, I'm going Clemson, but it's, I'm not super confident in it, and I don't think it's going to be a very big win. But I, I, just, I mean, like, you Wake say Forest that, but isn't. Wake Forest has averaged like 42 points a game. Yeah. That's fair. Um, against VMI, Vanderbilt, and Liberty. I, I'm just saying 42 points is 42 points. Totally. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't think they're as good as they were last That's year. That's fair. Uh, so I'm still going to take Clemson. They're probably not. I just don't think – I Clemson's going to lose one of these, and this, this is the first one on that slate, especially away, that I think they could. And then next, and I also think they may be looking forward to next week because they have NC State. Fair. Clemson. Let's see. Other marquee matchups. Florida at Tennessee. This one's interesting. I got Tennessee. Tennessee's playing good ball, man. Florida's inconsistent, I would say. Um, Yeah, I got Tennessee. I also have Tennessee. It's in Tennessee. Yep. I'm taking Florida. Florida in the upset. Uh. Tennessee, much improved. Again, we both, uh, Jamie and I, said that we picked them to be like a shake, like a sneaky good team this year that a lot of people didn't see coming. I still agree with that. 
Uh, but like like uh, Eli just said, Florida's inconsistent, and that's what scares me because a hundred percent good Florida is going to play a damn good football game and can win that game. It's like the other ninety nine percent that you have to worry about that you can't trust. But I feel like this is one of those games that Tennessee just drops because I just don't think they're all the way there yet. Fair. I'm taking Florida. Arkans number ten, Arkansas at number twenty three, Texas A and M. I have no fucking idea with this game because both teams are not nearly what they should have been. <laughs> um, I like Arkansas has been pretty disappointing this year. I just I don't even know, man. A and M's been either. meh. Like you can't tell me that Arkansas look like the number ten team in the country. You just you they can't absolutely have not. Not like, it's even a joke close. That at A&M has it looks like the fucking twenty third best team in the country. No, like, they I haven't don't, at all. I think I think I'm going to go Arkansas. Um, the spread is two and a half points right now. That sounds which about is crazy. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah i I think I'm going to go Arkansas. I am too by a nose. A&M. This is picking different today. He's feeling sassy over yeah, there. Fat and sassy. Uh, Wisconsin at Ohio State. Ohio State big. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And yeah. that's it for the marquee matchups this week in the college footballs. And nice. I think that's it for us. We did it. Unless somebody Episode. has any closing thoughts on college football. Going once, going twice. Sold for Eli's buzzer beater. Jamie hates doing buzzer beaters, man. <laughs> Jamie will do anything to get out of doing a buzzer beater. I, I do. I really hate buzzer beaters. <sighs> you got a buzzer beater? I, I can do a buzzer beater if you want me to. I'll do a I buzzer beater. I have one right I'll now. Do if it. you have I'll one. I'll do it. Okay. Listener, thank you for being here and being yourself. You know, just live, laugh, love. You're all the way to being yourself. I'm rambling. Um, thank you for being here. Uh, we really appreciate you listening. Um, thank you to Zeta June. Let me use your music. It's fucking sick ass music. Thank you for to Jasper for making us sound better and cutting out all the stupid things we say. And um, you know, when we make a prediction completely wrong, he cuts it, right, Jasper? You cut it. Um, so yeah, but uh, so thank you to those guys and um, listener, love you. Jamie's gonna hit you with his buzzer. Buzzer beater for the week is Fire Carl Durrell. Now, deuces. Oh, 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 oh.